This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Check out salesleadershipunited.com and tap into tools used by elite sales leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB at signup to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth from the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Be sure to check out the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development, gain insights into how other sales leaders are solving challenges similar to the ones you face, and tap into over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB at signup, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. We are kicking off a new year. It is 2024, and we are off and running. Uh, depending on when your fiscal year is, many of you have shown back up in your CRM, be it HubSpot or be it Salesforce, whatever it is, is back to zero. Some of you are finishing in January. You're in your final push, and you will be kicking off. Uh, we got other people whose fiscal year is, is in the middle of the year. But uh, I get asked to give a lot of SKOs. I will do 14 of them this year. I did I did just as many last year. And for each of the last two years, I've taken some of the elements from my SKOs and I have shared them as a kickoff for each of you. I got 50,000 listeners of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Today, I want to share with you some of the elements of these SKOs. I, I'm really excited to share with you. I I'm going to post this in Sales Leadership United. If you want the actual deck, it will be there for you and the video of me going through it. So to our Sales Leadership United listeners, you've already probably seen this come through because I'm posting it today. Uh, for the rest of you that are listening, I hope you enjoy this. I, I'm i going to keep this to the same. I'm going to keep it to about 45 minutes. And um, there will be no so what. It's it's going to be like you're at a, an SKO. If you want the, the video, come into Sales Leadership United and get it. Uh, this this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, and it has become the largest resource of sales leadership assets in the world. I appreciate those of you who are using it. I appreciate the asks you have of additional things you want in it. And I hope that this is an SKO that you will find helpful and exciting. And, uh, and it's five tools. I, I'm titling it Legendary Performance. It starts here. And... I want you to start right now as you listen to this, thinking about what's your word of the year. I have a lot of clients that are telling me what their word of the year is. Some of them is 
I, I won't tell you what they are right now. I want you to think through. If you had to say, what's my word for the year? It's a really great way to focus on yourself. What's my word of the year? What am I chasing? What am I going to double down on and emphasize? And I, I want to take you to a, I'm going to tell you a story to kick this off, but I want to take you to a picture. And if you're looking at the deck, you'll see the picture of two road signs. One says upgrade and one says update. And I want each of you 50,000 listeners that are listening right now to like stop, push pause and think for a second. What is the difference between an update and an upgrade? There are two different words, okay? And when I do this in SKOs, it's a fun way to kick off because I get a lot of interaction once people start to tell me their definitions. Here's mine. An update is when you kind of modernize or get current in what you've already been doing, Okay. Like when you get your new iPhone, you, you have to get your iOS update all the time, okay? Um, and so that's that's the first thing that I always hear is, is that update concept. Upgrade is when you do something totally different. Upgrade is when you become something totally different and better than where you were before. And an upgrade is a far different experience. And so I love to tell a story of about, Two months ago, I was doing a SKO, uh, end of, it, was, it was in November, and I was in a really great facility with a lot of people there, big company that you would know, and I was sitting down at the back, and a gentleman came over to me, and he sat down, and he, and he introduced himself, and I said, oh, I'm Rob. He said, oh, I know exactly who you are, and I looked at him. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are, and he said, I'll tell you what you need to know. I am the number one producer in this room. I do more business than anybody else in this room. I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, and I'm sure your mom is proud, right? And I'm, I'm, I say something along the lines of, yeah, I'm not surprised. A company like this is going to have a lot of great producers. And he's like, you're right. We do have a lot. And if you look at my slide here, what it says is his quote. He said, Rob, I want to tell you, I'm damn good at what I do. I'm damn good at what I do. And there's a bunch of people in here who are damn good at what they do. So if you're here to give me any tips and what he called it, cute tips and tricks, don't waste your time. I'm not interested. I said, I want you to find me afterwards and tell me if that's what happened, because that's not my style. And so I inserted this little part about upgrade versus upgrade in the 20 minutes after that conversation before I went live. And so I want you to think through that upgrade versus update. And I want to get in your hot tub time machine back to when you're probably a kindergartner or a first grader. And most of us probably did that kindergartner or first grader uh, science project where you get a caterpillar and you put a little twig in the, in the jar, maybe a little water or something for it to eat in the jar. And that caterpillar gets on that twig and then it makes a cocoon. Well, before that caterpillar makes that cocoon, you might be able to say that that cocoon, that that um, that caterpillar could say, I'm damn good at using my six legs. I can scurry around with the best of them. I have perfected the ability of scrambling around on my six legs as a caterpillar. And um, and I don't need anybody to tell me how. If I want to go farther or faster, I just have, for me, it's, a, it's about picking those little uh, legs up and going a little faster. Uh, it, it, it may be a stamina deal. I just get in a little bit better caterpillar shape, right? But once that caterpillar comes out of its cocoon, it's had an upgrade. It still has six legs. It's still an insect, but it uses those six legs for something different. You can see it in the deck if you're looking at Sales Leadership United. It, it uses them to land. 
doesn't use them to scurry around because now it has wings and it can fly. And it still has those six legs, but now it uses them to land because it's become something different. So the purpose of this SKO today is to ask yourself, where are we going to grow? Talent is a gift, but growth is a choice. How do we choose growth? How do we choose to not let being damn good at what we do stop us from becoming the butterfly that can go places that we never used to be able to go? That's the challenge. I, we don't try to grow because something's broke. Our job is to create growth for the companies that we work with that's our job as a member of a sales team as a sales leader or a salesperson we got to understand that legendary growth is never a happy accident and our job is to fuel the growth of our organization and so i love the leadership choice choice number two we have 20 leadership choices i have content around those in sales leadership united uh, choice number two is we got to choose growth over grind and when i give my skos i love to wear this t-shirt under a jacket or whatever and remind people that we are choosing growth not grind our job is to not work hard cross our fingers and hope. Our job is to be very purposeful, very intentional, and do things that will make it so we can grow intentionally. And so that said, it's very important for us to realize that we can't just let our gift of talent be our ceiling. We have to realize that growth is a choice. Talent is a gift. And if we want to outgrow our talent, we're going to have to make that choice. And I think it comes down to understanding what our performance DNA is all about. Our performance DNA is really everything. And so many of you know, I, I did an episode on this back in October. I, in the last year, was notified that I had cancer and I was given just 18 months to live. And when I got down to single digits, I stopped feeling sorry for myself and I realized I was going to have to do something meaningful. And I quite literally chose to change my DNA. My DNA is not the same. I have a modified uh, uh, morphed DNA where they added something to a, my stem cell where they created a molecule that would fight the DNA, the, the, the cancer that's in me. And that changed everything. Changing my DNA changed every single thing for me. And I've come to realize that we need to change our DNA anytime we want to change. So we can change our performance DNA. And if you look at this slide, and if you look at this deck, if you choose to get it, there's three strands in our performance DNA, just like there is in our human DNA. Strand three is the one that everybody thinks about. It's how we evaluate performance. Now, some people, it's just, did I hit a number or not? But the elite leaders look at performance through a little bit different lens. The second strand, the blue one here, is your skill set. Now, we often don't try to change our skills unless we feel like we have to. Why? Because too many people say, I'm damn good at what I do. And too often, we don't change until we feel like we have to. And I I've learned that if you want to be a relevant leader for very long, you're going to have to get good at reinventing yourself. You're going to have to embrace that cocoon that, that gives you different sets of wings. And then the, the number one strand that nobody thinks about is mindset. And this, this SKO for you as leaders is going to really focus on two and one, your mindset and your skill set, and they will fuel your performance. I guess the point is you got to choose to cho you got to choose to change the DNA. You got to, like I said, growth is a choice. Your DNA is not going to change unless you choose to. Now, when I did it, I had to go to Mexico. I had a 78 chance. I only had a 22% chance of living through the procedure. Um, I'm going back there again in January to have a follow-up procedure. But I had to choose. It was risky. It was not the easy choice. It was expensive. It was scary on every level. Scary financially, scary physically, scary emotionally. Uh, I mean, that was not an easy experience. 
but I did it and it worked and I changed my DNA and now my outlook is just so good. But I made the choice. It was not an accident. And if you want this year to be the best year you ever had as a leader, I want to start by telling you and challenging you, you're going to have to change your leadership DNA. Legendary performance starts by choosing growth, okay? So to do it, I want to bring in the pyramid concept. Now, pyramids have played a big role of things in history. And I've seen both of the first two I'm thinking of. It's in Egypt and it's in Chichen Itza. The Egyptian pyramids are iconic. The, the Mayan pyramids down in Central America, also iconic, play huge roles in their culture and their civilizations. Pyramids have also played a big role in nutrition. The food pyramid is something you learn about as a young child and uh, it hasn't gone away. All these years later, it's just been upgraded and gotten better. So pyramids will help you with your nutrition. They'll also help you with your fitness. Any CrossFitters of our group that's listening would recognize this pyramid that I have up and it's the, it's the CrossFit fitness pyramid, right? They, they build on each other on a base that gets highly specialized depending on what your sport is in this case. And maybe my favorite one is the success pyramid that came from coach John Wooden, who's arguably the greatest coach, sports coach of all time. And he has this powerful pyramid of success. I actually have it on a canvas hanging up in my office and it builds, it starts with industriousness and, and it finishes with with competitive greatness. And there's a whole bunch of things that leads to success athletically, professionally, personally. And I use these pyramid metaphors to create something that I refer to as the performance pyramid. Five levels. Each level starts with an M. The tool on each level starts with a P, okay? And so we are going to share five things at a high level, because I'm only going to be able to introduce them to you here when I do an SKO um, I'll get into a lot more detail on it, but I'm going to fly through this as fast as I can, try to keep this to a, about the same as our other episodes. Um, if you like it, you can hit me up and I'll give you more. You can go to Sales Leadership United and get the get more of it. But I'm going to tell you the great thing about this five P's is these are things that you can introduce in your own personal kickoff. These are things you can coach to, and these are things you can train to all year long. This is not one of those things where you just have a meeting and then hope it works. This sets you up for really great leadership experiences as you go through the rest of the year. So with that said, let's go through these five relatively quickly, but hopefully enough that makes you think. As a listener of the show, I hope this is something that you're going to take some notes. I hope you're going to be excited. I hope you're going to like build your own uh, pyramid. I, I actually did this with a few of my clients that I that I coach. This was a back of the napkin exercise with a couple of different people kind of done at the same time to come up with this. So I'm, I'm really excited to share this with you. Level one, the bottom of the pyramid is mindset. And mindset is the base that everything builds on. And the P that we're going to talk about is creating new possibilities. Now, I believe that mindset is perhaps the most underused performance tool. It's also perhaps the most underused leadership tool. The reason is none of us as leaders are really trained in it. It's something that I've hired coaches for. It's my biggest expense every year. I've worked really hard to become a, more than a proficient mindset coach. I want to be an expert mindset coach. And, and there's a lot that goes into this. This is something that if you want to be an elite leader, I would really spend time on mindset. I have a series of eight books that I'd recommend to you that I have that list in Sales Leadership United. You got to be intentional about learning to use mindset. I want to give you four places you can do that, okay? Number one, the first thing we got to do is teach the members of our team to think bigger. And that means we ourselves need to learn to think bigger. This is about finding what's possible, not just 
what are we doing? Most leaders ask for new activities. The elite leaders ask for new possibilities. And it's very important that bigger thinking starts with bigger beliefs. If you want to perform bigger, you got to believe bigger. And that means as leaders, we've got to have a way of figuring out how do we understand what we believe and how do we understand what the, those we lead believe, okay? And so if that's why this performance pyramid starts with mindset. Here's what I've learned as a coach, as a performance coach. No human beings change their performance permanently uh, because that requires them changing their behaviors permanently unless they first change their beliefs. You will not change behaviors unless you change beliefs permanently. Otherwise, it's a willpower game. And in a willpower game, the willpower will let you down ultimately at some point. You see it in fitness all the time. Um, you, you see it everywhere. You know, you, when we have, even in sales, let's say that we had some kind of a push or a, uh, a, a campaign. Once the push of the campaign ends, we go back to the way we used to do it. That's because you didn't change your beliefs. You just changed behaviors temporarily. You had a blitz for a day or something like that. What we need to do is change beliefs first. Now, this is really important. Most leaders don't know how to help people change beliefs. And you can see my chart here. Beliefs fuel your values. Values fuel your priorities. Priorities fuel your practices. One of my clients that I had a great success story with last year when we started in January about a year ago, uh, when we were talking about what this person really wanted, what they really, really wanted, um, it was... I sell to educational institutions and I don't have a college degree. And so I think that this puts me at a disadvantage. And this person had a very deep rooted belief that we needed to work on that her education was creating problems with an ability to sell to people. <laughs> and I'll, I'll share how that story goes. as I talk about this mindset one, but that's really important. It was a limiting belief. And we need to look through <clears throat> ourselves and say, what do we believe is possible? And, and, in that world of what's possible, what's going well and why, and that's going to help us know what our positive beliefs are and what's challenging and why it's going to help us know what our limiting beliefs are. So I want to give you a tool to help you build mindsets. This is a really great tool that I have found helps sales organizations and operations organizations because now I'm coaching a lot more than just salespeople. I'm coaching operators and success teams and all kinds of teams. It's 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 it, it's been awesome. I would challenge you to do the three, two, one yourself. And I would also say this is a really great thing to have every member of your team do before a one-on-one. -on -one. The three is really simple. Ask them to look back on the year and say, what three accomplishments are you, more, are you most proud of and why did it make a difference? The two is, what two lessons did you learn as I look back on last year? What are the two most important lessons I learned and why did they matter? And then based on the three accomplishments and the two lessons, what's the one primary objective? What's the one thing you're chasing? And why do you want it more than anything else? Now, you should do that yourself. Inventory what your accomplishments were and why they matter to you so much. Inventory the lessons you learned and, and why they were so impactful. But then get clarity on the top objective you, that you want to go get and why it matters. When I did this with this person that I was talking about, about getting over this mindset belief of I'm at a disadvantage because I don't have uh, a degree, this person's been in this business for over 20 years. For 20 years, this has been like a, a millstone around this, this great leader's neck, creating a lack of, of possibilities because they had a brick wall in front of them. Anyway, do this and then... Once you've done this, I want you to challenge your team. In fact, you should share your three, two, and one with your team so they can see that you're 
drinking your own champagne. But then I want you to channel a little Spice Girls. And I don't want that one thing to be what you want. I want it to be what you really, really want. I want you to talk to the members of your team and say, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I don't want to just be like surface level stuff. You got to find out from the members of your team what they really, really want. And you should confide in them or your leaders what you really want, okay? Now, the way you're going to make those things come to life is once you know what they really, really want and why. So you're going to be asking things like, what happens if you get there? What happens if you don't, right? How does your life change? How does your career change? What does this enable? Well, what does this not enable? Once you know what the one thing is and you're confident that we're at the really, really want rather than the, here's the one thing that would be cool. No, I want to know what you really, really want. Then what you need to be able to say to the members of your team is in order to be that person that says, I'm in, let's go. Because that's what you want. After they tell you what they really, really want, the most important thing that you hear from you is, I'm in. Let's go get it. Okay. But in order to do it, I got to ask you two questions. Question one, what's working well and why? Every why that's associated with the what's working well is going to be a positive belief. Okay. That's going to be something that will help you say, okay, these are buttons that we can keep pushing on or maybe build on. We want to even make those beliefs get better. And the second one is what's causing challenges and why? Now, every one of those whys, when you write those down, that's going to help you see what those limiting beliefs are like. In the one story I'm telling you, I'm at a disadvantage because I don't have a degree. Well, when you see those, then you can start saying, I want to understand those. And um, like in the case with this person I worked with, we didn't hit it right out of the gate. I, I needed to establish some relationship with this person first, but then came back and said, hey, I need you to go back over the last six months and give me situations where this lack of education has hurt you is has hurt you as a leader of people or hurt you as a leader interacting with clients. Three weeks later, when we met again, this person said, yeah, I can't find any. This is proving hard. I said, then let's make it easy. You've been in your role for three years in this role. Go back to the whole three years and come back and tell me every circumstance where this came up and was a problem. And it was awesome because that led to a powerful conversation of it's never hurt me from the eyes of the client. It's only something that I'm putting in place. It actually has never been brought up. They, no one's ever asked. No one's never cared. The only time it's ever been brought up is when I bring it up and that is unnecessary. And when we had our year end review in December on the things that we'd accomplished, this person said one of my greatest accomplishments was getting over the belief that my lack of education was a problem. And this person's like, I can't tell you how lightning it is. I can't tell you how better I am to have that out of the way. And I can't tell you how fun it is to replace that belief with something positive and something that will stretch me rather than something that will hold me back. So you need to know first what they really, really want. And then you need to know what the beliefs are that are positive and how we build on them and the ones that are limiting it and how we start to tear those down in a way that's believable. Not, it's not hard to do, but you do need a system to do it. So I want to remind you that changing performance will always start with belief. So in the world of mindset, number one is think bigger. So do the three, two, one and get to the point on what they really, really want. Know what they really, really want. Then identify the belief systems that exist and what needs to change. You got to untangle uh, that ball of yarn in their, in their mind. And we got to have this clear clarity around our belief systems and then we got to start trading up small improvements on the positive ones, small improvements on the limiting ones. That's going to be how you start to build momentum. Okay. That's going to make it so you're not doing a willpower game. That's going to do it. So you're changing beliefs. And if you change beliefs, then you change people. 
that's my whole thing. I had someone ask, why don't you do like these big seminars where people just sign up for a seminar and leave? And I said, because I don't do onesie twosies. I work with people over periods of time where people will change. I, I don't want to be in the selling seats game. I want to be in the changing lives game. And that means you got to change beliefs and that never happens quickly. You have to play the long game to do that. So I guess that's how I'd finish this first one is changing beliefs is the only way to change reality. And if you want to think bigger, you must understand the belief structures and start creating new possibilities. Now that will take us to the second one. Inside creating a stronger mindset, you've got to learn to think different. We don't want to let have things be the way that we've always done, stop us from how they can be done. New performance is going to require new experiences and different results are going to require people to have different personal trajectories. We're going to talk about trajectory here in a little bit. Okay. Um, but I want to go to one of my favorite stories about thinking different because it's, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. We get into these routines and we are creatures of routine. And as leaders, we've got to look at those rhythms. These operating rhythms matter so much. And I don't have to go any farther than for you to look at your keyboard. And if I say the word QWERTY, Q-W-E-R-T-Y, maybe some of you would know what it means. And if you're by a keyboard, I would ask you to look down at the bottom left, at the top left of your keyboard where the letter Q is. Q-W-E-R-T-Y is, is the line on your keyboard. And it's laid, they call it the QWERTY keyboard. Now, I'd like you to look at all the keys on your keyboard and ask yourself, does it look like there's any rhyme or reason in how the keys were laid out? In fact, if you look at it, it might look like it's possibly as random as possible. And there's truth to that. Um, and, and to understand why, we're going to get in our hot tub time machine and we're going to go back to the 70s. And I don't mean the 1970s. I'm going all the way back to the 1870s because in 1874 is when the Remington Corporation released its first typewriter. And the main release, you can see in the picture here, has the QWERTY keyboard, Q-W-E-R-T-Y. Here's why. The very first one was laid out logically, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, all the way to Z. And I had to learn to type on an old school typewriter that had those metal bars when you pushed a key and the metal bar would fire. And if you misspelled something, you had to get out the whiteout. Well, that first version of the key, of the typewriter that had these metal bars, when those metal bars would fire, letters that fired close to each other would jam. So if you think of the alphabet Q-R-S-T-U-V, R, S, and T are a good example of letters that are close together in the alphabet, but are also used frequently in the same word, like first or stick, stack, stuck. There's, there's all kinds of places where those letters show up in the same word. And so they laid, they did their own study way back when with no AI, no chat GPT, no, no tech of any kind, where they said, what are the least common letters that are used in a word? And they tried to lay them out that way. And that was how QWERTY came out. QWERTY existed, they came to pass in 1874 for one reason, for metal bars not to stick when you're typing. Now, if I look at my keyboard right now and I'm holding it up to the camera, I don't see any bars on that. As my Australian friends would say, no flies on me. Well, this keyboard says no bars on me. And um, yet we still type on a typewriter that's laid out that was optimized for metal bars to not stick. I would suggest that you probably have lots of QWERTYs in your sales organization. So it's a fun or, or thing to do by yourself. It's a fun thing to do with your leadership colleagues. It's a fun thing to do with your team. Here's two ways you can do it. One is how do we think different in sales? 
How do I prospect now? How could I prospect differently? How do I partner now? How could I partner differently? How do I provide insight now? How could I provide insight differently? How do I generate referrals now? Or how could I do that differently? Uh, those are meaningful. I did this with a group in Chicago about three months ago. And when I put them through a workshop, it was like silence. And the VP of sales looked at me and said, hey, how do we? How much time do we have on this? Because this is harder than we thought. It is hard to think different. There's a reason the QWERTY keyboard has survived this long. You're going to need to make it safe and fair and reward different thinking. Here's another way to do it. Where can we think different internally? Like working internally as a leader is a really important thing for you to, to be intentional with. How do I seek knowledge about our industry or about our product or about what's happening? And there, there's so many things how, that we could look at there on how do we, how do we think different. How do I partner different with my internal partners? How do I provide insight different to the people that I work with? So, so I'm not just someone who's squeaky wheel. How, how can I be more insightful? How do I build a network? How do I do those things? We got to think different. Look at the things that you've done and then say, how do I do it just a little bit different? I have a customer that rewards people for the best idea that didn't work. It's a great idea. They've worked so hard to promote different thinking. Ask yourself, if we have too many QWERTYs, like we shouldn't have sacred cows around here. And if we do have sacred cows and QWERTYs, then what that means is we haven't created an environment that fosters creativity. And I'm going to suggest to you that creativity is a skill. Uh, we could spend a lot of time talking about how do we look and treat creativity as a skill because it's not something that you're either blessed with or you're not. It is 100% something that's a skill that we can develop. That takes us to the third area that we can create mindsets. And I'm sorry that I'm going fast, but I have to because there's a number of things that we gotta, uh, we're going to talk about here. And, and I'm trying to try to make sure that we get all of this in before, before it, it becomes too long. Um, the, the third one is we got to be able to think rationally. We got to have people expect and not get frustrated by emotion when things are hard. Listen, last year was a hard year for a lot of people in sales. It was. Sales is a hard job. It's not an easy job. Sales is not for people that just want stability. I hate that word. Um, stability is important. And, and, but sales, we put a lot of our income at risk every single year. And, and when I have CFOs that call me about comp plans that they say, I'm paying the salespeople too much money. I, I'm always the salesperson's advocate and say, well, then that just means you have a bad comp plan. You should want your salespeople to be uncapped and be the highest paid people. Cause that means you have a, a good plan and be a good system. So I want you to have a way to help people think more rationally and not have emotion be a, be something that takes over because as leaders we make the we make decision based on the information we have and when emotion when emotion is the deliverer of our information and that when that happens and we have emotion brings us stuff we often make decisions that we otherwise might not have made and so this is a this is a really important one for us um how do we take emotion out? Now, E plus R equals oil is one of my favorite ways. That's something I talk about here, but I'm not going to go here. What I'm going to talk about is just let's remember what kind of race we're running. I think every company has said the line, we're in a marathon, not a sprint. So I got a picture up right now showing what a group of marathon runners looks like. And man, uh, Drake has a lyric that says it's a marathon, not a sprint. A sprint. Dr. Phil says he invented that line. Um, and like I said, I think every business organization has said that at some point. 
And so we treat sales sometimes as a marathon. Hey, just keep calling one more dial more, you know, um, just, just keep it up, keep your head up. And, and so that's why we have a lot of people that embrace the grind. And you will notice I wear the shirt and I said, this SKO is not about the grind. At some point you can't work harder than you're working. I don't want you to say we're going to grow by 10%, 20%, 30%, 50%, whatever we're going to grow by and have you interpret that as, oh, I guess I'm going to have to work 10%, 20%, 30%, 50% harder. That That's not a recipe for winning. That's a recipe for burning out. So as leaders, it's important that we identify what kind of race. We are not running a marathon. In fact, these marathon runners that you see here running right now, I think that if you see their, you know, I don't know what marathon it is that they're in, but um they're the stereotypical marathon runners. They're long, they're lean, there's no fat on them. They're built for endurance. They're not a sprinter that's built with heavy muscles. Okay. These, these people are built for endurance. And so long as you can keep putting one foot in front of the other, you'll finish. And um, I think that if these marathon runners had something happen where there was, I don't know, an earthquake or uh, water washed out this perfectly paved road, you'd have the race stop and they'd scratch their head and say, this isn't part of the deal. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is the Boston marathon. And, you know, I'm not supposed to have something uh, be a distraction here. I'm just supposed to finish. There's a different endurance race that we are signed up for as, as sales leaders, in my opinion. I think that we are running something more closely resembling a Spartan race. And if you look at the pictures I have here, Spartan race is a endurance race that, that involves obstacles. There are short versions and there are long versions. And sometimes you don't even know what obstacles. In fact, I think most times you don't even know for sure what obstacles you're going to face until you face them. And, um, and every time there's an obstacle, you have to get into that headspace of, I will get through this. And you don't wonder how many more are there. In fact, if you worry about how many obstacles there are, that will freeze you in your tracks. So I want you to take this idea to your team that we are running a Spartan race. And if you get this deck out of Sales Leadership United, you'll like this slide that we're looking at right now, because it's a fun thing to talk about. What are our versions of the obstacles that we'll come up against? And in sales, we'll have them internally and we will have them externally. And we had better learn how to train for each of those obstacles because the obstacle is not going to go away. I would go so far as to quote one of my favorite books, the obstacle is the way. And so there are three things that I like to propose in here that help you with your 2024. I'm just going to spin them out at a high level again. Uh, this is a shorter version of this presentation, so I won't go into as much detail. But number one is teach your team to expect challenges. Unexpected challenges are the norm. That's the norm. Learn to anticipate the unexpected. Even schedule time so you can adapt and change and be evaluating. And that's why I love things like capacity days and reflection time. Make sure that we adopt the mindset of being a victor of circumstance, not a victim of circumstance. That will take us to number two. We've got to have a next play mindset. Listen, you have to take a page from the Navy SEALs when, when these obstacles happen. And they're famous for saying, I live in a three-foot world. You're not thinking about all of the obstacles that you've just had. And I don't want you to think about all the obstacles that are going to still come. We have to look at the one we're in. What's the next step for the thing we're in? Don't look at all the steps you got to get done. Just the next step you got to get done. Because feelings of being overwhelmed will freeze you. If your team feels overwhelmed, it will freeze them. So the best move you can do is to narrow your focus to the very most important next step. And then the last one is what I already said. Don't hope that obstacles go away. 
realize that the obstacle is the way it's a book that I think everyone should read. Um, I, I, I advise all of the people I coach to read it. I've given it as a gift more than any other book. Uh, the hurdle that you're fighting with often is the one thing that will give you the most fuel for massive growth. So don't be afraid of hard things. Don't try and run away from hard things, learn to embrace them, learn to identify with them, learn to overcome them. And you will find that becomes number four, one of your unfair advantages. That's the final one that I, I I'm just going to identify this concept as a leader. You should identify your unfair advantages. I think of one of my clients that um, they had a very specific unfair advantage in the last two years uh, that their competitors didn't have. And going into this year, their competitors finally have that same advantage. So we spent time. What is our unfair advantage now? And so Every single person has unfair advantages in life. Every single team has unfair advantages in the market. And so you need to find them, you need to acknowledge them, you need to leverage them. I, I, I think that one of my unfair advantages is I've had to overcome so many things. I'm not afraid of overcoming things. Uh, another one of my personal unfair advantages was the way I was raised by my father. He didn't give me a lot. But he was a guy that was on the team that invented the laser printer for Hewlett Packard. And so I was surrounded by innovation my whole life. Uh, our garage was filled with the laser printers that never made it to market. And I, I watched his mindset of the, the fact that no one has ever invented something doesn't mean we can't. In fact, the idea that no one's done it is reason enough for us to try to do it first. And that's an unfair advantage for me. I, that's something that has helped me that I never realized. Uh, until my father passed about a year ago, exactly today, um, as I was spending time reflecting on the lessons from him. And that was one, and that created an unfair advantage. As a leader, speak the language of unfair advantages, find them, embrace them, leverage them. It will create energy and mindset advantages that other things won't. So I want to finish this first one with legendary performance is built on legendary beliefs, okay? If you want to change performance, you got to change your beliefs. Don't focus on more activities. Focus on new possibilities. Think bigger, think different, think rational, think intentional. Uh, and revisit these with your coach. I don't care who your coach is. Have a coach. Talk about these things. This should be something you're talking about. As a coach for those you lead, talk about these things for them. Okay. And that's number one. I, I hope that was not too long. Let's pick up speed and go to number two. The second level of the performance pyramid is momentum. Okay. This is how we're going to go faster by creating the tool that we will refer to here as pace level title momentum level tool pace. Now I'm showing a picture of a rocket ship and I talk about this more than once. And listen, when you watch a rocket ship take off the ground, it's really straightforward. You hear the rumbling, you see the smoke coming, you watch it kind of slowly go up the launch pad, and then it goes into this gentle arc before it drops its launch rocket, and then the booster rocket takes off. It takes more fuel in the 60 seconds to get off the ground. As it gets off the ground, it hits that gentle arc before it drops that, and then it has the booster rocket go. It takes more fuel getting off the ground in that first 60 seconds than when you're in outer space to go all the way around the world one time. Let's say that again. When you're in outer space, you can go all the way around the world with less fuel than it takes in the first 60 seconds of getting off the ground. Here's why. It's because growth is hard. And the leadership version of that is change is hard, but the corollary that you tag on to the end of it is at first. It's hard at first. Whatever you're going to grow, it's going to burn. 
So when you're going to get off the ground, get ready for the burn. And when you get out into that next level of outer space, enjoy the ride for a while until it's time to burn again. And then when you want to go from outer space to the moon, then you're going to burn. When you want to go from the moon to Mars, you're going to burn. You can stay there as long as you want to, but when you're ready for what's next, it's going to require a burn. And I have found there's five P's that will help you build momentum. I'm not going to give you a lot of depth on every one of them. It's going to be list them and give you something to think about. I want you to be really intentional with how you build momentum. It's called escape velocity. Escape velocity is a metric of how much energy it takes to escape the Earth's gravitational pull. Escape velocity and momentum for you as a leader is how do you escape the gravitational pull of status quo, okay? You've got a good mindset. Now we got to escape status quo. First P is priorities, okay? The 80-20 rule is something that you've heard me talk about. You're probably familiar with it. It's Pareto principle. It's 20% of the, of the customers you have are responsible for 80% of your revenue. 20% of your salespeople are responsible for 80% of your success. It also applies to your activities. 20% of the activities that you do are responsible for a majority of your results. Most people don't apply it to activities. You need to understand what your 80-20 activities are. And the only way that I found to do this in a way that makes sense is look at what your role is as a leader. Now, role is really important. That's why we start talking about purpose in this. I believe we have three roles as a leader. Now, every company is different, but I always start here. Development of people, and that means we got to be a collaborator because you can't dictate what they're going to become. you got to collaborate with them. Creating an environment where everyone can thrive rather than survive. And so I call that being an influencer, not just an architect. you got to get people to buy in. Uh, culture and environment is about behaviors, and people have to adapt to those behaviors. So that's why you got to be an influencer. Third one is accomplishment of your company's goals. We do have, we live in a scoreboard world. We got to hit them. Okay. We do have to hit those. We got to be, we got to have that accomplishment, but it's not number one. I think it's number three. That means we got to be the strategist. So for each of those roles, development, environment, accomplishment, go write down 10 things that you can do. This is a really important thing you can do. 10 activities that will help you develop people might be coaching, might be observable moments, 10 things you can do to build a better environment might be how you collaborate, might be how you do team meetings, it might be how you celebrate. 10 things you do to achieve accomplishment might be deal coaching, might be might be how you do lead gen. I, I don't know, but come up with 10 so then you could say, what are the two or three things in each of these that will be the ones that are most important? If you just pick two, you're not going to know they're your 80-20. I want you to do 10 so you can do two or three and know these are my my Pareto principle activities, prioritize. If you know what your priorities are, that should be part of your leadership philosophy, okay? We're gonna talk about philosophy and say, if you've never done your leadership philosophy, you need to. It's one of the most important things. It's the thing, the thing of Iron Man, that glowing energy source that makes Iron Man have the power to make a suit work. Your leadership philosophy is the thing that will give you the power to have the impact you want as a leader. And so your leadership philosophy starts with your purpose. And your purpose you better make sure that your prioritized activities are tied to your purpose as a leader and not enough people do that. So that would be one of my suggestions to you is to do just that. Okay. That takes me to number two. What is your purpose? The second way that you're going to build momentum. Now that we've talked about our priorities, you better make sure they align to your purpose. Okay. And so purpose is about what you want most. I like the most model. Okay. M O S T M stands for your mission. O stands for what are the objectives that will help you achieve your mission S is what's the strategy to make sure those objectives actually work. 
And then T is what are the tactics? What do I do? How do I lean into action? If you look at this, this screen, you ask four questions. Why does it matter? Your mission, why does it matter? Oh, the objectives, how do we get there? Meaning, how do we get predictably to the to the mission? S, you know, what's the strategy? What's the plan to help us achieve things? And then T, tactics. The question is, how do we engage? We need to be leaning into action. Listen, I meet people all the time that want success. They want transformation. They want ascension. I can't tell you how many people talk about things and don't do shit. They are all talk. The faster you act, the more likely you are to succeed. Simple as that. So you as a leader better be strategic, but also tactical. Any model that's strategic only, you will fail. Any model that's tactical only, you will fail. That's why I like most. Mission, objective, strategy, tactics. Make sure it aligns to your priorities. And I want to go back to clarity. Like most leaders don't have clarity on what their purpose is as a leader. I always tell people, let's do your purpose part first. Um, seven questions that will help you with your purpose. Number one, why do I choose to lead? Number two, why do, what do I stand for? Number three, what are my leadership superpowers? Yes, you all have them. What's the purpose in having the ability to fly if you only ever walk? You need to know your superpowers so we can intentionally use them. You know, what do I need to let go of? That's a belief question. What mindset do I need to develop? That, that's a maybe the most important question. How will I take care of myself? How do I prioritize me? And then how do I continue to learn? Those seven things will help you with your purpose, okay? Um, use purpose everywhere. Purpose shows up in how you use time. It's our scarcest resource. You, you better be purposeful in how you use time. You better be purposeful in how you coach and in how you engage your team. Purpose-driven. Um, you better be purposeful in how you plan, but also in how you reflect. I had someone ask me about a specific part of my business just this morning, and I said, I will never do it the way you said, because my purpose isn't just to do X. My purpose is very clear. Rob Jepson's purpose is to create life-changing and career-changing years for the people that I interact with. And so when I interact with someone, it's never a onesie-twosie. It's always longer term because I am in the business of creating life-changing and career change. And so purpose is a catalyst you can't overlook. Most people don't have purpose as one of their momentum drivers. If you do it, you'll be blown away at how much faster you'll accelerate. That takes me to number three. Number three is people. You need a people plan. That can people plan is going to show up in who you prospect to. People plan is going to show up in how you where you partner. People plan is going to show up in how you network. But no matter where it is, I think you should consider the concept of um, trajectory. Now, this is a game way back in the eighties. Well, my dad used to take me to his office at HP and it wasn't as cool as this because they didn't have color monitors, but my dad would introduce me and my brother to this thing we'd only ever heard of. It was called computers. And these engineers at HP would write games. And one of them was called artillery, where you had a, a mountain in the middle and you had to shoot over the top and try to hit your tank, had to shoot a bullet over the mountain and hit, my, my case, my brother's tank on the other side. And we had two levers. Lever one was power and lever two was the angle of the shot. And it would track what that shot did based on the angle and the power and then the wind coefficient. And it would show you the trajectory of the shot. And so you would mess around with power and you would mess around with angle, hoping to get a direct hit. Leadership is the same thing. You can only work so hard. Power is your work ethic. Angle is your focus point. Okay. These are your priorities. And you should be looking at the trajectory of a person. 
I am a status person. I don't mean by status symbols. What's the status of our pipeline? Is it healthy or not healthy? That's good to know. But what's the trajectory? Is it healthy and getting stronger? Is it healthy and fading? Is it unhealthy but getting stronger? That trajectory is massively important. Where's your career going? We can, We should look at trajectory. It's always point in time plus trajectory. And if you start talking about people that you partner with, people that you prospect to, people that you coach, you will find that trajectory will change everything because now it's, it's a function of how do we act and where do we focus? And if you start looking at trajectory, trajectory is one of my favorite metrics because it predicts where something will land. In sports, it predicts where a ball will land, okay? Um, in your career, it'll project where you will land. It, as a coach, it'll project where the person you're working with will land. There's no happy accidents. You want to do better with people? Focus on trajectory, okay? Personal trajectory. And that takes us to number four. Now we're talking about process. Now, only thing I'm going to say here is this quote from James Clear. I love it from one of my top five books is Atomic Habits. If you haven't read it, you should. If you have, consider reading it again. Top five for sure. He has a great quote where he says, winners and losers have the same goals, okay? Uh Another person who said something very similar was Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, when he said, losers have goals, winners have systems. Winners and losers have the same goals. The difference is the winners have better systems to make those reality, okay? Systems create predictability. Systems create structure. Systems eliminate so much variance. Be a system creator. And this is not asking people to be robots. This is about looking at trajectory. And it's using what I love to refer to as the if-then construct. If I do this, then I expect this, okay? I'm doing this because I expect this. I'm doing the if because the then is what I want. I'm not just working hard, crossing my fingers and hoping. We don't have enough good systems. If you find yourself not having enough predictability, because I believe our job as sales leaders is not to hit a number. I think our job is to predictably get there. And there's a lot more to it than just that. But I think our job is to create a world of predictability, not just a world of results. That takes me to number four. I mean, I'm sorry, it takes me to number five, the final one. It's precision. Too many times we as leaders operate in a world where we say, we could say we have a shovel, but I'm not sure where to dig. We know we want to succeed. Okay. We know we want to win, but we just work hard and hope. We cross our fingers and hope. And so my favorite example of this goes to my son when he was a quarterback. He was a quarterback in high school. And when he was going through his years, I was one of those dads that was maybe too involved, but I got him a lot of coaching. And we had first local coach and then some bigger coaches. And at one point he was even coached by the guy who coached Tom Brady. His name is Tom House. Okay. And um, it was interesting because Lots of times I would hear these coaches ask Baylor, my son, where are you aiming? And I remember when Baylor first would answer that question, his first question, uh, and if you look at the, this is this is a picture of one of the most successful NFL receivers, and it's a really good one for like, where are you aiming? At first, Baylor's answer was, I'm just aiming at the receiver. And you can see the bracket on here. It's a really big target. And as he started to get better, um, he had some people say, no, you don't want to aim to the receiver, Baylor. We want you to hit him in the numbers. And look at how much smaller that bracket is than the receiver bracket is. And that by itself changed him when he started hitting for the numbers. And when he got really serious about it, he started having a, a, a really great coach 
um, Coach Ivy taught him, I want you to aim for the face mask. Now, that's a smaller target yet again. And it was for reasons of that it's easiest for the receiver to see it. That was his logic around it. If you aim for the face mask, the ball will always be coming in a place the receiver can see it. But it was interesting on the focus point getting smaller. The better he got, the smaller the focus point. And then the final one was when he worked with Tom House, Baylor, what are you aiming at? And he said, oh, I'm aiming for the face mask. And I remember, I'll never forget Tom like nodding his head saying, okay. He's like, I don't want you to aim at that. I want you to aim at the shield right on, at the neck on his jersey. I want you to aim at the shield. And he, and then he said something that I remember writing down in my, uh, my, my phone notepad. He said, Baylor, one of the great laws of success is to aim small, miss small. If you aim at a small point on your receiver, if you miss, you're going to miss by a much smaller variance than if you're aiming at something bigger. So if you want to start having a better impact and creating momentum, aim at smaller targets. Aim small, miss small. It'll help you build more momentum. That takes us to level three. We're talking about mastery now. And mastery is about creating this, this, the tool for this that starts with P is about proficiencies. Where do we need to have proficiencies? Now, every one of you will have different proficiencies. Every word that I work with, we, we identify some different proficiencies. I'm going to give you three at a very high level that are places to start that I think apply to everyone that's in a leadership spot. Spot one, okay. <laughs> spot one is your leadership attributes. What are those attributes? What is it that leadership means? I think there's seven. I'm going to share them with you here in a second. Number two, of all the skills that we can have as a leader, I think the most important one is coaching. If you want to become masterful at one thing as a leader and one thing only, dive into coaching. Try to, to become an elite coach. I think that's our most important job. Our role as leaders is to tease out the very best someone has to offer. We can't just ask for it. We got to go tease it out. And that's a skill. That's not something that you either have or don't have. And most people don't get it right. There's a lot of, of research that shows that we're going to tap into a little bit today. And then the last one is, let's get better at having good days. If you're going to do 10% more business, what, what about instead of working 10% harder, what if you had 10% more good days? And so I have a good day framework. I won't be able to share all of it here. But the idea of let's be more intentional about what our leadership attributes are. Let's be more intentional about the skill of coaching and let's be more intentional about how we engineer a good day. Now, very quickly as a reminder, here are the seven leadership traits that solve most lead that most elite leaders have these seven in spades. Okay. All of you'll have all of them to some level. I found that if you're intentional about these, it will change how you lead. First is what's your leadership character. Now I'm not just talking about your integrity, though that's there. I'm talking about how you show up for your for your team. Uh, do you have hard decisions or do you kick the can down the road? This is where your leadership philosophy needs to come into play. The exercise here, the base of your leadership traits is what is your leadership philosophy? If you haven't done it, I would advise you do it. Do it. Build your leadership philosophy and activate it. It'll change you as a leader. That'll take you to competencies. Competencies show up in four areas. First is leading your team up. Okay, how do I help them become better? The second is in how do I partner laterally? Those are the internal competencies, totally different set of skills. Third is how I manage up. That's mostly about expectations. And the fourth is how do I continue to grow and improve and make sure that I don't 
hit a ceiling. Each of those areas of competencies, you can make a wheel out of it for four quadrants. It's easy to see how you would have different areas. Like in the area of leading up, we're talking about development, environment, or an accomplishment, right? In personal, in personal growth and development, the three things we're talking about are uh, mindset, skill set, and performance. All, all of those four, we have three different areas. And then inside of them, there's different competencies that will help. Like in the world of devo- development and leading up, one of your skills, one of your competencies probably needs to be coaching. And so coaching is one of those. Very quickly to get through the rest and it's capacity. It's the thing everyone needs, but nobody talks about. There's seven ways to create capacity. Then there's clarity. Clarity is, is maybe the most important tool. There are some very important symptoms that show up if you have clarity challenges. And there are four clarity questions you need to answer. And clarity is one of those things that is maybe the easiest thing for us to become expert at and creates the most immediate results as a leader. Then it's connection. Um, we got to connect before we correct. We got to have connection in our community. We got to have connection in, in our company. We got to have connection with our people. We need to build connection. We live in a world that needs to be a connected world. And there are very specific ways we must create connection with those we lead, with those we work with, and with those people that are in that community, like the sales leadership community. Then it's culture. I love to refer to this as environment. We need to be like a gardener that creates an environment where everyone thrives rather than just survives. And culture is about behaviors. The final one is consistency. You got to be someone who's making an operating rhythm. And if you're seeing my video right now, you can see I'm moving my head. I'm dancing. We got to create a, a, a rhythm that your reps on your team can move to. If, if you don't have a rhythm, they don't know how to win. I, I hear it regularly. I just heard it from a team that I was asked to do some interviews with. The one thing that they want help with is where do they need to be consistent? They don't know. They get mixed messages all the time. So if you want to be an elite leader, those are the seven places that you want to be predictable. And I would tell you, you got to be intentional. If you leave those to accident, you can plan on the best you being on them is average. That's the best you can expect. Accidental leadership usually is poor. The best you can hope for is average. And sometimes it's toxic. Okay. So be very intentional about those things. And and so that covers the attributes and it also introduces a little coaching. Uh, Here's the elements of my good day framework. There's four things. Don't confuse activity with accomplishment. That's number one. Uh, I'm a big believer in creating a unique point system so people know um, what the high value activities are. And then it's like a sushi menu where they can put them together however they want. Um, I believe you got to help people get into a rhythm. Teach them how to get into a rhythm. There are definitely skills associated with that. Like you'll have your day planned before you even get there and make sure you accomplish something as fast as you can. And don't start by like sipping your first cup of coffee and, and, reading like no accomplish something like x number of this needs to happen or the most important thing and there's a rhythm for sure and there's a lot that we can do there and I'm, I'm i'm leaving most of this out but if you haven't taught your team how to get into a rhythm of success do it it will change everything as far as how many good days you have third part is you got to plan tomorrow today your good day today started yesterday when you go home you should know what your good day is going to look like and then the last one is you got to reflect okay you have to reflect on your days and your weeks. Uh, It's the only way that you will make sure you don't keep losing for the same reasons or you don't get stuck into ruts, okay? Because time is your most scarce resource. You need to make sure you have more good days. It starts with being intentional and deliberate. 
Uh, it also starts by be choosing to put the captain's hat on and not the firefighters. No disrespect to our firefighters, but you are not here to put out fires. You are here to help guide your ship into the ports of call that you want. If you're on a boat in the Caribbean that wants to go to the DR, as cool as Aruba is, and it's one of my favorites, you'll be disappointed if you don't get to the DR. So make sure that you are the captain and not the firefighter. And then last, just make sure you're measuring the effectiveness of the things you do in your days, okay? Treat it like the most scarce resource and you will find that you are more successful and never leave it for accident. If you don't have a time usage system, make one, find one. I like the 135. There's a whole bunch of them out there. Uh, it gives you purpose, it gives you priorities and it gives you rhythm, okay? Um, if you don't have daily plans, start it. Otherwise, you're going to get derailed every day as, as, as a bus driver. People will keep ringing the bell to stop the bus. And I, I would suggest you even go so far as to schedule your distractions. When are you going to look at your emails? When are you going to respond to your emails? When are you going to have this distraction time? That's important. I have three times a day that are scheduled for emails. Be intentional with how you time block. And for, finally, make sure that it, you measure and reflect regularly. Otherwise, you are just going to be doing Cordy for the rest of your leadership career. We're almost done. We got level four and level five. Level four is gonna, is gonna be really quick. I call level four the meat. The meat is our arena where we do things. And the P that we need is we've gotta have presence, okay? Legendary work happens where we meet, okay? That's our arena if we were gladiators. We meet with our team. We meet with our customers. We meet with our partners. We meet with our leaders. We meet with people. Sometimes it's live. Sometimes it's virtually. Sometimes it's... You know, video, sometimes it's phone. I don't care. We need to bring presence to those things. Now, we could spend a lot of time on creating presence. Uh, what is executive presence? What's presence? What does it look like? I'm just going to go back to a study that came from Bain. A few years ago, Bain asked a question. They went and asked salespeople all around the world, if you had to pay out of your own pocket, how much would you pay for an hour of time with your leader? Now, a lot of people say I shouldn't have to pay at all. That should just people. I, I know that people say I wouldn't pay because I shouldn't have to. That's not the question. The question is if, if you were going to put a dollar value on how valuable is an hour of time with that, how much would you pay? How valuable is that one hour? Uh, that's a really interesting one because when you look at the answer and I'm showing you the answer here on the slide, it's, it's a really traditional uh, consultant slide. You'll see 54% of the salespeople said, I wouldn't even pay a dollar, not even a dollar. Now, those leaders that are leading these people, they think they're doing things that are meaningful. They think that the coaching is spot on. A, over 80% of sales leaders self-identify as awesome at coaching. But over 80% in those same studies show that they don't find the coaching that helpful. And here, more than half say, I wouldn't even pay you a buck. And it tops out at around 100 bucks. I, I want... You to then ask yourself a question. There's two important questions that come from this that should help you with your presence that you want to create. You should ask yourself right now, what would your team pay for an hour of your time? Let me ask it another way. How valuable are, to, are you to them from a financial perspective? We should be able to dollarize that. Like when you help coach deals, do the win rates go up? When you help coach them in other areas, do their productivity change? Like you should be able to see an impact on the on the things you do. And we should be talking about that. The second question is, how valuable do you want to be? I always start the bidding at 500 bucks an hour. I want to be worth 500 bucks an hour. Okay. And I got people that tell me, Rob, I want to be a $2,500 an hour leader. And I love it. 
Because if we can do that, that's a different kind of purpose. And that creates different presence because then we'll say, what do we need to bring to the table? And I think to do that, to be this kind of leader that's that valuable, there's something you need to sign up for. And that here's what it is. There are no neutral leaders. Every single one of us is a catalyst. None of us are neutral. Now, it's a wide span of things we are catalysts for. On the one side, we can be a catalyst for a massive success. And on the other side, we'll be a catalyst for being a massive failure. The question is, which is it? Which is it? Okay. And, uh, and I want you to have the members of your team feel like what they get from you is custom for them. I, I think about the guy who makes my suits. I had a really bad experience having a custom suit made for my son's wedding. And I went to a local tailor and, and HM Cole, if you ever think about HM Cole, stay away from them. They, they, I didn't get my stuff done in time for the wedding, even though they said it would be easy when it came, it didn't fit right. And I don't know why I ever left my guy, Manny. Manny was my guy for years. And then we fell out of touch for different reasons. And I had such a negative experience with something that wasn't bespoke, but I found him. And he came back out to Utah and we got reconnected and I ended up buying way more from him because the experience was so great. But he looked at what this HM Cole suit, these two suits looked like. He said, whoever did this, either one doesn't know what they're doing or two doesn't care. And it was obvious to an expert that this person either didn't know or didn't care. But I tell you the story because the people you lead, they know what good is too. And if you want to be a legendary, elite, high-impact leader, make sure that you're creating an experience where you do know what you're doing, and it's clear that you care. You don't ever want someone to say, man, Rob doesn't know what he's doing, or man, Rob doesn't give a shit about me. Um, and to do that, we have to choose growth again. That's why I keep saying growth over grind, because it's an old statement. What got you here won't get you there, but it's true. Our job is to grow. Our job is to create the greatest year in company history every single year. So that that means is we can't just do the same thing and hope that's good enough. we got to ask ourselves, where do we need to grow? Not should we grow. It's where do we need to grow? For you as a leader, it's going to be in the meat. you got to choose to make the meat better. Okay. I've given you three places. Those seven attributes, get better at those. Get better at coaching. That's maybe the most important skill. And then the last one, create more good days, right? That song by Ice Cube, it was a good day, right? I get that song going in my head. Can you create more good days? And if you can have an emphasis on what a good day looks like and have your team create more good days every week, every month, you'll be blown away at how much more success you'll get. Because I want to remind you that the differences in being a manager and being an elite leader show up in how you coach because managers are about creating new or more activities and leaders and elite Coaches are about creating new possibilities. So if you're not creating new possibilities, try that because you'll find that it helps you in those attributes. It helps you in those coaching. It helps you in time. It will change the meat for you. Okay. Um, and to do it, if you do that, if you do those three things, that's going to change your DNA. And I want to finish this element just really quickly with a couple things. If you think about famous superheroes, I want you to take team of Iron Man and Batman against Superman and Spider-Man. And I say, I, I like to ask, what's the difference? And people, some will say, well, Iron Man and Batman are rich. <laughs> I laugh, that's true. But what I'm where I get to is Superman had a different DNA. His DNA was different. He just was born with strength and laser beams and flying. And all he had to do is learn how to use them, okay? 
Spider-Man, his DNA changed as well. He got bit by a spider. I relate to Spider-Man because his DNA changed. I, I changed my DNA. I already shared that story. I, I wish mine was cool enough that it made me so I could shoot webs and have spider sense and all that stuff. But I'll just be happy that it was good enough to overcome cancer. On the other side, we got Batman, who he didn't change his DNA. He just decided he wanted to be a crime fighter. and He had to learn how to be the best fighter. And he had to have someone invent some of these other tools like his suit and his planes and all those things. And Iron Man, he found a way to take an energy source that was in him. And not only did he create tools that made it so if I want to fly, I can have a suit that flies or, or if I want to be bulletproof, I got to have a suit that will re uh, reject these bullets. They just chose to go do it. They didn't have to go hope that their DNA changed. And I want to suggest you can change your leadership DNA if you focus on igniting something new. Every time you coach, you should ask yourself, what am I igniting that wasn't ignit before? And I know ignit isn't a real word, but I don't care. I still want to give it to you. What are we doing to ignite something? A couple things to help you know if you're, if you're coaching and, and your presence is igniting something. Number one. Is there engagement? When you finish a one-on-one, -on -one, is it clear on what someone's chasing and why it matters? Second, is there purpose? How does this thing that you're chasing in your one-on-one, -on -one, does it fuel something that matters to the member of your team? Is it based on their plan instead of yours? Is it switching something on or developing something new? Um, is there clarity? That's the third one. You know, what, when, and how things are done. Who owns what? They should own things. Sometimes you own things. And is there clarity on what awesome looks like? And, and then the last one is, is there belief? Is there enthusiasm and optimism? And will this change trajectory? And will this make a difference? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of things that I can share with you on this that I'm not going to get into details on because of time. Just make sure that you leave your thumbprint on everything you do. Okay. Make sure that when you meet with someone, you are a catalyst for something that not only is noticeable and meaningful, but they care about it and they value it. That is different than just checking boxes and meeting for the sake of meeting. What are we doing to put your thumbprint on the job? And if you don't know how much you want to be worth, and if you aren't clear on how you can add that kind of value, that's a great place to start because it will change everybody's experience with you. And that takes me to the last one. It's me. The final level of the pyramid that starts with M is me. The P is permission to prioritize yourself. Most of us don't do that. And most of us as leaders are really good at telling those we lead to take care of themselves, but we don't do that ourselves. And so I want to channel a little Ricky Bobby here. You can see him. And if you look, think of Talladega Nights, the last sponsor Ricky Bobby had. He lost all of his sponsors. And his car and his suit had one word on it, me. He was a sponsor. So you see that car with me and the Cougar. And it always makes me laugh. But the best sponsor you're going to ever have is yourself. Okay. We can learn a lot from Sean White, the Olympic snowboarder. He popped on the scene in, in 2006 and was young. He was a kid and he won the gold medal and suddenly was famous. And four years later, he came back in Vancouver in 2010 and he did it again. And uh, everybody was chasing Sean. And four years after that, uh, in 2014, he was the favorite to go win. And But what happened is he was starting his last ride. I don't know if you know how the Olympics snowboarding works you have a qualifying ride early in the day and then in the championships you have two rides and it's whatever your highest score of the two rides are and his first ride he wasn't in first place he wasn't even on the podium 
Um, and so he's getting ready to do his final one. It comes down to his final ride and didn't have a great ride. And as you can see in the picture here, he was uh, disappointed and bummed out and he took fourth place. But here's what most people don't remember from that story. Earlier in that day, when they did the qualifying scores, Sean White had the highest qualifying score that day. In fact, he said losing had nothing to do with snowboarding. It was all in his head. Something was wrong. He wasn't happy with who he was. He wasn't satisfied on what was going on in his life. And as he stood in that shoot, getting ready to go, he says in his own words, he knew he wasn't going to win. And then he didn't. And that set him off trying to refine himself. Um, he got really serious about discovering who he was. He says he cut his hair, he even took down all of his Instagram pictures of his long flying tomato hair. He reconnected with people that mattered to him. Um, he started working out differently. He did it because he wanted the, the different things to work in his life rather than just make it so he could win a gold medal. He reconnected with his brother and, and he was so careful about who he spent his time with. Whereas before it was people who would get him a medal. Now it was, who are the people that will make me me? And, and when he came back to the Olympics, it got to the same thing. And he said before those Olympics, winning in the past had nothing to do with snowboarding. He made that a very public statement. And as he came back to what would be his final Olympics, his goal was to win the gold. And it, the same thing happened. He came down to his final race. Uh, as he was getting ready to do it, he was not on the medal stand. He didn't have the gold medal locked up, but he gave one of the greatest rides that he'd given his whole career. And when it was done, he finished with gold again. And when it was done and he had that gold medal, he said to the announcer, winning had nothing to do with snowboarding. I would suggest to you as leaders, winning in 2024 has very little to do with sales. There are three teams that will need you this year. Number one, is your company that has hired you and the team that follows you. They will need your A-game. Be sure to have a, a, your A-game for them this year. The second team that's going to need your A-game is what I call your people. It might be your family. It might be the family that raised you. It might be the person, the family that you're raising. It may just be your people. I don't know. You all have your own people that need you for different reasons. They need your A-game too. I remember when I was running a tech company, driving around my block until I was ready to go home because I had so many other things that I was trying to process before I went and got home. But there's a third team that needs you. And I want you to ask yourself, who's the third team? And when I ask this, it's sad that very rarely do people know it. The answer is, is it's you. You need your A game. One of my favorite stories in my life that I like to share with people is a story that I didn't learn well enough when it started. And it was when I started, um, at a large financial institution, first time leading a large, large organization. I was getting on the elevator, riding up to my, my office, a pie in this cool building. And um, elder gentleman was on the elevator and he said, well, who's, what's your name? And I told him, and he's like, Oh, I don't know you. What are you doing here? And I said, it's my first day on the job. And, um, and he said, Oh, I know who you are. I've heard of you. Good luck. And on that elevator ride from the basement up to the 13th floor or whatever it was, I asked him, you got any advice for the new guy? And he said, just one thing. He said, this place is like any other big company. It will take from you everything that you let it take. So my advice is to save something for you because this will take everything that you give. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And I wish I'd paid more attention to it because he was right. It wasn't a flaw in the company any company big or small will take whatever you give 
It was me. I didn't protect anything from myself. And so while I worked in this organization and in this building that the arrow was pointing to for years, and I did really well, I had great success. I didn't protect the parts of me that team two needed or team one needed. I was really only there for team three. So I'd like you to think about how do you burn hot without burning out? It starts with giving yourself permission to prioritize yourself. You need to be okay with saying you come first because we as leaders rarely put our needs first. We need to know what makes us, us. We got to schedule those things, those things that make you bring you joy. Put those on your calendar. Put those in first. Don't ever apologize for prioritizing yourself. I, I have a whole other training on that and a lot of depth and experiences that are surrounded by this. But I'll tell you this. You can't deliver your A game to any team unless you are willing to prioritize yourself first. So if you don't have a process or a system for how you prioritize yourself, do that first. If you want help with that, hit me up. Then you got to create boundaries. This is about systems, okay? Um, you got to create lines in the sand. Boundaries are important. Like when you get done working at the end of the day, you need to be able to say, I'm not doing work stuff right now. I'm going to go do X stuff right now. Uh, Parkinson's law is very real. Parkinson's law is really simple. It says the amount of time it takes to do something expands to the amount of time that's allowed. And so my advice is start building small boundaries and learn how to use those and they'll start doing bigger ones. Mine started with, I'm not going to do stuff over the weekends. And that was scary at first. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I understand how to do this. And now I have a lot of really, uh, of really great boundaries. And I used to apologize to them and now I don't. In fact, people have told me I need to do better at that. I want to be more like you that way. Okay. And, and systems are what make those take hold. Okay. Systems are the only ways that your boundaries will come to life with consistency. Um, systems will remove the anxiety. Systems will make those things happen consistently. And you'll find that it allows you to burn hot when you need to burn hot and then burn hot for other things when you need to do that. Now, Garland Vance taught us on this podcast four things that the most effective people do to recharge. They do relationships different. They do rest different. They do reflection different. But the one I want to point out is they do recreation different. All of the re's, you know, we reflect, we rest, we reconnect. There's, there's all kinds of reasons we recharge, recreate. If you turn that into a recreate, you'll notice recreation recreates who you are. Most people I talk to can't tell me what they do just for them. Prioritize yourself this year. I can tell you when Garland asked me this on this podcast three years ago, I didn't have a good answer. I now have six things I do just for me. I've told Garland this before. I tell him again now. It changed my life when he told me that. It'll change yours too. And I want to wrap this last one up with the famous five ball speech by the Coca-Cola CEO like 30 years ago. You should, you should Google this and look this one up. 30 years ago, the CEO of Coke shared a really important insight. Here's the quote. He said to his team, I want you to imagine life as a game in which you're juggling five balls in the air. You name these five balls, work, family, health, friends, and spirit. And you're keeping all of these balls in the air. You will soon understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it bounces back. But the other four balls, family, health, friends, and spirit, they're made of glass. If you drop one of these, they will be irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged, or even shattered. They will never be the same. You must understand that and strive for balance in your life. I wish I heard that earlier in my life. 
because it's true. We do have those five balls, work, family, health, friends, and spirit. One of them is rubber and it'll bounce and that's work. Okay. The other ones, I have found out firsthand what happens when they crack. You can come back from it, but it is hard and it's unnecessarily hard. So give yourself permission to prioritize yourself this year. Permission leads to boundaries. Boundaries that you test then leads to systems. Okay. And you'll do that. You'll stop grinding and hoping. And what you'll find is you'll find fulfillment. So that's it. Um, five things. The first one is mindset. We're talking about possibilities. The second one is momentum. We're talking about pace. The third one is mastery. We're talking about proficiencies. The fourth one is the meat. We're talking about presence. And the last one is personal, giving yourself permission to, to prioritize yourself. Okay. Uh, you are the only sponsor you need. And I challenge you to think, what is your word of the year? And so here's three words. Mindset and momentum are about how you create influence as a leader. Mastery and meat are going to be how you create predictability and systems as a leader. And me, that's how you do it in a way that leverages integrity. And so you're happy with who you are. Five focus points. The performance pyramid will give you impact on day one. I'd like to challenge you to make this year legendary. One of my clients last year said that she survived the year. And we said, how do we thrive? And we found this chart. Survive leads to adapt. Adapt is how we recover and bounce back. And then we can thrive and grow. Don't survive. I want you to thrive. I want you to do what you're asked to do. And that's have the greatest year the company's ever had. But I want you to be the best version of you you've ever been. Legendary outcomes are never a happy accident. The five-level performance pyramid will help you get there. It will help you choose growth. It will help you change your DNA. That will help you change your career. And ultimately, it will change your life. And not only will this have been the greatest year you've ever had, you'll like the version of you that you became to pull it off. Thank you for following the Sales Leadership Podcast. Thank you for your membership, those of you who are in Sales Leadership United. Thank you for your DMs where you tell me what is helping you and what you want. Thank you for being with us for this long ride. Thank you for being willing to be a leader that would change the lives for others. And I hope that you use this material as a way to kick off the best leadership year you've ever had. If I can ever be helpful, you know where to find me. If you want more, start at Sales Leadership United. But I want to remind you like I always do, don't, don't worry, just execute because we got you. And if you want more, I am here to help make this the greatest year you've ever had and uh, help people on your team do their best work so they can live their best life. And here's to a terrific week and a terrific year. Thanks again. And I wish you only the very best this year. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.